Welcome to the Hilltop United Methodist Church podcast. Hilltop is located in Sandy, Utah, 985 East, 10,600 South. Locals would say 106th. Our two worship services are at 9 o'clock and 10.30. Hope to see you this Sunday. God bless. Bye-bye. We're continuing to read from Luke. This is uh, Luke's year. We're going to talk quite a bit from Luke. Um, This particular passage um, falls fairly much in the beginning of the early part of Luke. It's Luke Luke 5, is where I'll be reading from. It'll be on page 62 of your pew Bible. Uh, Jesus has um, just encountered the Satan in the wilderness. He just preached his first sermon in his home church. It didn't go well. He didn't go well. He uh, basically chewed him out about something. And they said, okay, we're going to take this guy out to the edge of town and throw him off a cliff. Uh, that's, that's how bad it went for him. And now we have this encounter here where he's going to be choosing his disciples. Now in Luke, in Luke, disciples would be like this group. It'd be like 200, 175, something like that. And for Luke, he makes the distinction between the disciples and what, he, and what are called the apostles. And that, that sounds like a fancy word to us, but what it means is, in English, is those sent out, the sent out. And so Luke will make this distinction between people that are disciples and those that have been sent out in order to carry out God's word in the world. As is my style, I will occasionally uh, st- step back and make an observation here or there uh, I trust that as you follow the words, you'll, you'll recognize what is Luke's words and what is my words. Page 62 of the Pew Bible, Luke 5, I'll be reading from chapters 1 through, excuse me, verses 1 through 11. Once while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret, that's the Sea of Galilee, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down. In the Jewish world, when the rabbi teaches or preaches, he or she, in this, in this world it would have been a he, would sit down to teach. That's how, that's how you know they're about to preach or teach. Uh, then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Simon, put out into the deep water and let, and let down your nets for a catch. Simon gave words that I'm sure we don't give anymore ever in the church now. Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long but have caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter, now at this point in the Bible, in this point in Luke's, he has not actually named Peter as the rock upon which the church will be built. Petra means rock, petroglyph kind of thing. Uh, but he's, he's giving a little prequel of what Simon's eventual name will be. Simon Peter saw it. He fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee. Zebedee in Aramaic means thunder. 
Wouldn't that be cool on a tattoo? Sons of Thunder, all right? Who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. When they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. This is the word. Before I start, didn't Evan and Abigail and, um, and Danielle do a nice job today? Wasn't that good? Good. I want to start first with, um, with um, the reaction that Peter had to what was going on, all right? He was sitting there watching this and watching what was about to transpire. We, we don't know if Jesus actually knew Simon Peter, but certainly people had probably told him about, about, about Jesus and the things that he could do. And of course, what does Simon Peter do? He, he gives the, the comment that I'm sure is locked into the first century, and then in the 21st century, we never say this kind of thing anymore. Well, you know, we've tried that for 24 hours, and nothing happened. Can you imagine? I mean, you, Jim, Doug, you guys don't ever hear that, do you? No, no. So um, that, that, I think, is the last, first lesson for us here, is, is that Simon Peter does show faithfulness. Simon Peter does show faithfulness. He's a skeptic. He steps out there as a skeptic and says, you know, we've tried it, it hasn't worked for the last 24 hours, I don't know why it's going to work now. But he does step out there in faithfulness with the fact that I'll do it because you asked me to do it. I'll go do this. So he is confident in the faithfulness of God, or at least he expresses some confidence in the faithfulness of God, and God demonstrates God's faithfulness back. Now, the, the second one to our ears may not be as uh, sharp or as profound as it would have been to the ears of that particular day, but the words that were used to translate deep water uh, is the same word from the Hebrew Bible, the Greek version of the Hebrew Bible. And it's the nature of the water that, from Genesis 1, where God's Holy Spirit, God's holy breath comes in and separates the chaos waters. So what Jesus is essentially saying to Simon Peter, go out into the chaos, go out into that chaos that's there and put down your nets. Now, that's counterintuitive, you know? That's counterintuitive. Not only have we tried some of this before, but the other aspect of this is, is that he's being told to go out into the place where it's jumbled and jagged and a little bit crazy and a little bit different than the rest of than the, what you would expect. And so he, he does indeed do that. And God is saying that I will be faithful both here in this calm place and I will also be faithful out in the chaos, the crazy, chaotic places of life. So as you're leading in scouting, as we're leading in mission activities, Family Promise, as we're leading in the rescue mission of Salt Lake, as we're leading in doing the various things that God is calling us to do, we need to be prepared and understand that God is going to move us from the place, safe places on the shore where we could stand there and get nothing done. And God is going to invite us to go out into the chaotic, crazy places that are out there, and we have to be prepared to go there. And you know what? God's going to be with us in that journey. God is going to be faithful to us and will accompany us in that. We will not go there alone. Now, the, the next, next one is this uh, element 
it was combined potentially with the reading we could, we could have had today as well. It's called the Isaiah 6. There's four readings on any one Sunday. A psalm, um, an Old Testament reading. In this case for today, it would have been Isaiah 6. Um, a gospel reading, which we read today. And then there's this thing called an epistle. It's, that means letter in Greek. And it, sometimes it's an epistle, sometimes it is a letter, sometimes it's something else, like Hebrews. That's a sermon. Um, but nonetheless, the point really is, is that we could have read Isaiah 6. And Isaiah 6 is about the same kind of thing that's going on here in Luke 5. It's the call of Isaiah. Here it's the call of the first disciples. And in Isaiah 6, what happens? God is calling Isaiah and says, I've got some things I want you to do. I've got some tasks that I want you to accomplish. I want you to come forward and do these things. And what's Isaiah's reaction? Very similar to uh, Simon Peter's reaction. You got the wrong guy. You got the wrong guy. I'm not qualified. It's almost like if he had a cell phone in those days, he answers the cell phone and uh, Simon, uh, Simon Peter, this is God. I've got a task for you. Who the heck are you? Get, get out of my life. I don't, have, I don't have time for this. I'm not qualified for what it is that you're asking me to do. There's a saying we use in the church, and we probably don't say it enough because I think we're afraid of perhaps overusing it. But the saying we use in the church is that God doesn't always call the equipped. God equips the called. God doesn't always call the equipped, God equips the called. Doug Orr took over leadership of our troop some 20-something years ago. And he has been a master producer of qualified leaders coming out of Troop 411 for that whole time. He did a, he did a fantastic job with that. He's now shifted his energy over to the venture crew. Now, if you, if you were to stop and reflect, given the success that Doug has had in various levels, but one of the levels has been in producing Eagle Scouts, for example, you would have thought that Doug had this extensive background of working his way up to Eagle Scout, getting lots of merit badges and all that kind of stuff. And God called Doug and said, Doug, I want you to lead this Troop 411 at Hilltop. Would it surprise anybody here if I told you that Doug's rank, the highest rank he had reached when he was a boy, when he was a young adult, youth, uh, was second class? Would it surprise you? And so instead of sitting there and saying to God, you got the wrong guy, you got the wrong fella, you got the wrong person here, Doug said, I, I think you got the wrong guy, but I'll do the best I can. I'll, I'll go out here and do what you called me to do. And you know what? Doug was very successful. Doug got equipped along the way by God and other people that were with him on that journey. I could repeat that story over and over and over and over and over again. And it would have the same outcome, which is the fact that people went into ministry that they didn't necessarily feel that their background qualified them for, and they went into it and they were extremely successful. Why? Because God was with them on that journey. They were prepared to go out into the chaotic, crazy places of life. And because they were, they were prepared to sometimes sit there and say, you know, I don't care if we tried that two years ago, five years ago, seven years ago. We're going to try it again, and maybe we'll try it with a different result. We'll see what happens. Scouting is an important activity here at Hilltop. Our relationship with Girl Scouting is we mostly provide space 
for them. And I will say to you that the evening we provide space to them is a crowded evening. And we do it with joy and we do it with enthusiasm. And I want to, we want to keep doing that. Our relationship with the boys, uh, with, the, with, the, with the 411, with the Cubs on uh, Monday night, uh, 3411, do I have that right? 3411. And the Venture Crew on Tuesday night, uh, 7411, is, is a little different because we charter them. For example, we approve who the Scoutmaster is. Um, we have uh, a, a, boy, a male Scoutmaster, which is Stuart Wood, and Brooke Timby here is our first, number one, uh, first female Scoutmaster for our girls' troop. So God bless you, Brooke. I pray that this is a fruitful ministry for you and for Hilltop. But they're going to need some help. They're going to need a little bit of help. And I can imagine there are people out there saying, not me, not me. You know, we got the wrong guy. Just like Isaiah, just like Simon Peter, frankly, just like Gideon, frankly, just like Moses. They all would sit there and argue with God and say, you got the wrong fella, you got the wrong person. And you know what? I don't think necessarily they, we always do have the wrong person because God's going to equip you on that journey. Now, I have, as it relates to a relationship between men and women, uh, there is a good quote, no means no. No means no, right? Okay. Now, I want to I warn everybody in advance here. I have, told, um, I have told Jennifer Strickland that when she's trying to recruit leadership for the youth group and the children's ministry here at church, no means it's the beginning of negotiations. <laughs> okay? So if, she, if you come back, you want to come back to me and go, that Jennifer Strickland, I told her no four times, and I'm not qualified to do this ministry, whatever, whatever, and you need to get her off my back. I said, no, exactly. Actually, she's doing exactly what I told her to do. Thank you very much for the progress report. This is a good thing. You know what? She's behaving like God. She's behaving like Jesus. God and Jesus can be relentless in their pursuit of you. Believe me, I know from a personal account. God, God can be relentless there. The task for us is to know that we are indeed qualified and we will not be alone on that journey. Caroline Lewis, who teaches preaching at uh, the Luther, Luther Seminary in Minnesota, writes, we would do well to remember that the extraordinary catch of fish happens in Jesus' presence. These newly minted apostles don't haul in the net of fish on their own. Doug Ord didn't lead Troop 411 on his own. He had lots of help. Lots of help. They don't leave everything, they don't leave everything and follow Jesus because they are confident in their own abilities. They leave everything and follow Jesus because they are confident in Jesus' command. Yet, if you say so, I will let down the nets. Where is God calling you? Where are you in this story? Who are you in this story? Are you just a watcher, observer on the shoreline, watching all this happening and saying, wow, something incredible just happened? Or are you perhaps like Simon Peter, willing to sit there and go, not me, not me, you got the wrong guy? Or are you like uh, James and John, watching all this, watching it and saying, Simon? 
Sign me up. I'm willing to go along with this. I'm willing to leave everything that I've got here on this shoreline and go follow this guy, Jesus. Where are you in the drama? Where are you in the play? Here's what I would like to offer you. One, is whatever, the, whatever you're going to do, God will be faithful to you. God's faithfulness is something you can count on. It's reliable. And the second thing for you is, is that God doesn't always call you when you have all the skill sets to, in, your, in your inventory of skill sets at that moment. God calls you when God is ready for the task, and God will equip you along that journey. God will equip you along that journey. I talked to Jim Mitchell this morning after the first service, and he indicated that um, Lauren, who was our liturgist for the first service, this was a bold step for her to come out here and do this. Perfect example of what it is that we're driving at here in this situation. Lauren didn't necessarily feel that she wanted to go do this, but she answered God's calls, and she did a great job. She did a great job this morning. Where are you being called? How is the task you're being called to do? It may be something inside your comfort zone, but it may not be. It may not be. It may be something that you're not necessarily comfortable with. I don't know what it is. I invite you to pray, be open to God's call, and know that when God calls you, your first reaction is going to probably be, probably be just like Simon Peter's. I've done this before. We've tried this before in the past, and it didn't work, but I guess I'm in for the count. I'll give it a try. And you know what? Out of that chaos, out of that craziness of life, fruitfulness will occur. I invite you now to know that we're going to sing uh, the summons. It's an opportunity for you as you hear the words go by, as you sing the words. I, I want you to think as you sing through this and ask yourself, what is God saying to me through this piece of music? What is God saying to me through the poetry that is here? If you're involved in scouting, maybe it's an invitation for you to step up and be a leader in some kind of way to help out leadership that's there. If you're here primarily for, uh, not with the scouting, but the church, is an invitation for you to come up and say, I, I, I want to be involved in something else. And what I'm, what I'm hearing God say to me is, whatever it is, there would be an invitation for you to stop and pause there. We need all kinds of leadership here at the church. We need people to help coordinate meals for family promise. That's just one thing we need. We need teachers on Sunday morning with children. We um, we need more singers at times. So, so there's all kinds of things that we need. The invitation for you is how are you going to answer God's call? Are you going to be like Simon Peter and say, I'm not qualified? Or are you going to be like the second part? I'll give it a try because you are faithful and I know that you are indeed faithful. Please stand as you're... Hilltop is located in Sandy, Utah, 985 East, 10,600 South. Locals would say 106th. Our two worship services are at 9 o'clock and 10.30. Hope to see you this Sunday. God bless. Bye-bye.